Hi, this is Chris. And this is John. And you're listening to the Nerdy Dadcast. episode, which is a long time coming, and, and I, I should concede, I have to apologize for that. We would normally look to record every couple of weeks, and then suddenly life happened. Um, my uh, wife's grandmother, um, she unfortunately passed away at the age of 98, um, and uh, we ended up having to travel off to the United Kingdom uh, to, to pay respects and, and what have you, and that then followed up with a work trip, and me taken off after I landed, did some laundry and headed back out to Toronto, which made podcasting a little bit more difficult to, for the two of us to, to handle. Well, really for me, I, it, this one's all on me. You were ready and raring to go. It's but, true. I was ready to go. I had it all set up. I was waiting for you, but you know, the time zones are hard to beat sometimes. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're late and we won't do it again. We hope unless, you know, the end of the world comes or something, which funny you mentioned based on the state of the toilet paper economy, could be the case. I and mean, we're actually thinking that we talk about the potential end of the world, and not to make light of a serious situation, um, but it's interesting what's going on right now uh, in, uh, you know, the world around us. I'm, you know, I know this is sort of a fatherhood podcast, and I, we'll talk about that uh, as it pertains to, to our kids and sort of our approach as dads. But uh, currently, uh, the world is facing a pandemic. Uh, the coronavirus that we would know as COVID-19 disease um, is uh, racing itself around the world. Um, I am no expert, but I would suggest it's not a matter of if, you know, someone may may be infected. It's more of a matter of when. We have absolutely no immunity to this. It's brand new. And while the majority of people are impacted by very mild systems uh, or symptoms, sorry, it's the fact that uh, the the those that do need additional care um, could very well overload our medical system. And then from there, it's just the cascading effect of, of those who may get more severe symptoms or the fact that our healthcare system would then need to not only deal with the sudden influx of those who need care uh, for COVID-19 disease, but then, you know, other things that just normally occur. Like I know here in Canada, like our healthcare system, I'd suggest runs at about a hundred percent capacity, like day in, day out. I, I, again, won't claim to be an expert, but, you know, I can't remember the last time I went to a hospital and it wasn't busy. So we sort of thought, you know, we would take an opportunity to share our thoughts on sort of what, what's going on and how we're approaching the situation. Yeah. And I mean, originally coming into this, when you first heard about it, I mean, we've heard about so many things over the last decade, really, you know, we had like swine flu, we had H1N1, we had all these other things that were supposed to make this huge splash and then really ultimately didn't. And so coming into this one, I mean, that's kind of what I thought as well. I thought, you know, okay, what's well, another one, big deal, you know, life will go on as it goes on. And sort of as it's progressed, things have gotten more and more real all the time. And I mean, I think really yesterday was kind of, well, I mean, it'll be a different day by the time you're listening to this. But for us, yesterday was sort of a big day where, you know, people like Tom Hanks and his wife announced that they have each, that they have the coronavirus. And, you know, today the wife of our prime minister has been 
stated as having the coronavirus. So, you know, it's suddenly really in your face. And it's these people that you normally wouldn't think once you see these big celebrities getting it, then you're like, oh, no, that's going to be that's scary. That's me, too. Well, and, I, you know, it's interesting that we sort of talk about, you know, these celebrities getting it and sort of what makes it real. Um, I, I read a, a comment on, on Twitter that the United States finally caught attention when the NBA suspended their season. Like, all of this has been occurring, and then suddenly when sports was taken away, that's when, oh, my goodness, this is, this is real. This is a big deal. Like, I mean, we saw over the course of the day, and you're going to be listening to this a, a few days later, but um, the NHL, the uh, XFL, the uh, Major League Baseball, pretty much every sport has, has shut down. And that's, again, to try to uh, minimize exposure. I and mean, I think that's what a lot of people don't quite understand is, well, the symptoms themselves in the majority of people are mild. That, it, you know, it's, oh, it's, it's nowhere near as bad as the flu. The problem is, is that, you know, you and I, we have inherent immunity to a number of different strains of the flu. This is, this is something that, you know, we as people have been encountering for, for millennia, or and I say millennia, but I mean, for, for many, many years, the, the difficulty though, is this is brand new. And the idea is about flattening the line, like ensuring that the capacity exists for those who, who are affected. It's just unfortunate that it has taken, you know, in some cases, um, these drastic things to occur. Uh, and, and I think I agree with you. It's sort of become more real. Like I, I was, I went to the UK and people like, Oh, are you sure you really want to go? Well, first and foremost, you know, there was no indication at the time that there would be a problem. It was about, you know, assessing the, the situation, ascertaining what risks might be at play and ultimately, you know, taking the steps that are necessary to try to ensure that the trip was a healthy one. And we did all that, you know, washing our hands, uh, you know, trying to, to be smart about what we're doing. But that's really no different. Like, you know, anytime you travel, you want to take steps to, to you know, take care of yourself. And so we did that. Um, my recent work trip to Toronto, same thing. People are like, oh, my goodness, why would you want to go to the airport? Well, again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assessing the situation as it exists. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to take these prudent steps. Um, now, the situation has evolved a little bit more and and obviously the it's a little bit different where now the health authorities are suggesting that here in bc if any of us were to go and leave the country we have been asked upon our return to self-isolate and quarantine ourselves for 14 days that does include going down to point roberts which is an enclave of canadians to get gas um so first and foremost you know i i am not trying to suggest that there's an extremism or any form of like um exasperated thought here it's just a matter of you know the situation is evolving and now that i'm more better understanding things i'm maybe revisiting the approach uh, or at least my approach uh, to an argument but at the end of the day i'm not i'm not panic buying toilet paper <laughs> and yet many people are which is a topic we'll have to talk about in a short while. But, uh, you know, you had mentioned just before we had hit record that, uh, you know, your household is looking to, you know, uh, sort of self-isolate. And, you know, I know for myself, I have the luxury of working from home. And I have chosen to do something like, "Ah, I don't need to go into the office. I don't need to leave here unless I, I have to. And so I've made that choice. I also appreciate that there are some that can't. So I, I think for us, we're lucky in that regard. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that's a big thing. Uh, my wife is can also work from home. So that's sort of um, her 
her office actually told them all to work from home. It's, it's do not come in, stay home. You can do it. It's no big deal. Um, we homeschool. So, I mean, that means already we're schooling from home. So we don't have to worry about the kids going out and catching things in the playground at this point. So, I mean, really for us, just kind of on a safety basis, while things are evolving, we're kind of in a lockdown mode. And I mean, we've got, we've got supplies. We don't necessarily need toilet paper, but uh, you know, we, we do have enough supplies to get by and um, I'm certainly able to go out and get whatever, whatever. It's not really a, it's not a fear kind of thing. It's just sort of a precaution because you don't know. I mean, the projections and the people that are actually experts on this are, it's kind of scary what they're saying. So, I mean, yeah, stay in until things are a little more, a little more out there. And I mean, I find just on a normal basis, it's basically, you know, we talked about this as well. We're washing our hands a lot more than we usually do. And we're making sure we do it. We're making sure the kids do it. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the important thing. The kids making sure they're washing their hands. And I mean, we're sort of trying to get the message to them that, you know, we're out on a bus or something and do not lick the post, which, you know, I t- normally I give that message anyways, but at this mm-hmm. point we're kind of pushing that message a little bit more because, you know, you really don't want to lick the post right now. You never want to lick it, but you really, really don't want to lick it right now. Well, you know, so I'll, I'll talk about uh, my daughter, you know, baby force. She is still continuing to go to daycare. And I think I've referred to this in previous episodes, but um, if I haven't, it's something that I often will share on, on social media is that daycare is simply a government sanctioned version of uh, biological research. Um, it's perfect to build up a child's immune system because then kids share everything. Absolutely. And I also, you know, I also then go on to say that I'm going to be so happy that uh, my daughter will be able to survive the zombie apocalypse. It's just going to be unfortunate that I won't um, because, again, her immune system is amazing. Like, she'll get the cold from daycare. It'll take her down for a day or two. I get it, and it's like two weeks. Um, but, yeah, that's just she's young. Me, not so much. I, I do wonder though like at what point you know do my wife and i decide like maybe we'll keep her here you know yeah. we haven't reached the point and that has more to do with you know logistical reasons me working from home well something i can i can do and if need be and having her here it is still difficult for me to tend to baby force and work when work requires my attention for periods of time that baby force doesn't quite get and i can't really take my eye off her because next thing i know she'll be you know trying to hot wire the tv or something like that whereas my wife she works in the the hotel industry she can't work from home what she does requires a presence uh, in a hotel so you know there's there's a lot of a lot of things at play and and you know taking that step further and she works in an industry where you know, people are transient, they're coming, they're going, all sorts of people. So it is in the back of my mind, like, what can we do? And what would we do? And when would we make those decisions? So I'm not panicking. I'm not like, oh, my goodness, like, you can't go to work. She's not going to daycare. This is what we're going to do. But the same thought, it's there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you have to be aware. And I mean, even in like an industry like the hotel industry, I mean, travel is being cut down. There's edicts going out that you can't travel outside the country. You can't travel outside the province. You can't travel outside. I mean, the U.S. had their whole all banning all European flights for a month, only with a whole bunch of exceptions. But, you know, the thoughts there. So, I mean, 
in a something like the hotel industry, people stop traveling, people stop using hotels. Suddenly, you don't have work, so they're gonna mm-hmm. send you home. And and that that is another worry, right? Like we're we're fortunate that we have you know built a some financial stability into uh, our life, and you know that wasn't always the case um, when I went through my fun employment journey. Um, you know, years ago, that was sort of when we decided we needed to take, you know, more prudent steps. So, you know, should something like that occur, we're in a good spot. But the thing is, not everyone is. And I, I quite frankly, don't know, um, you know, what one would do uh, in a situation like that. Fortunately, you know, the the government has put into place um, mechanisms, but it, you know, employment insurance is not a full a wage like it's no it's 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 simply a supplement to give you something it is not going to replace the wage you lose so you know i i wouldn't expect anyone would want to you know proactively do that but they may be required they may need to uh they need to do for their own well-being they may need to do their well-being and the well-being of others yeah the the thing though that you know sort of come back to and you know talking about uh bay force you talked about your kids you know yeah don't let the pole in the bus not that i think your kids would but the point remains <laughs> is, is trying to uh, almost not restrict her, but try to, you know, explain to her in a way that she understands why she needs to wash her hands. Like, why are we trying to wash her hands all the time? Why are we trying to, to, to wipe her face? Why, you know, we were at uh, Costco um, earlier this week. We did, we're not looking for toilet paper thankfully, because they didn't have any. Um, it was just we hadn't really gone shopping in three weeks. And we met my uh, my in-laws there. They had actually just come back from the UK themselves. And uh, what does my daughter do? Puts her hands on the table and then proceeds to immediately put the hands to her face, right? Because that's what one does when they're, you know, turning three. So, you know, does that mean she's patient zero in our household who knows but it's like how do you stop that short of like hog tying her it's training it's it's talking it's repeating yourself over and over which i tell you right now me me repeating myself over and over it drives me nuts because my kids are both of the age where regardless what i say i have to repeat myself over and over because it just Mm -hmm. doesn't end up happening so in that case yeah it's it's reminders constant reminders and you drive yourself insane with the reminders but you say ah don't don't touch that don't lick that don't touch that don't lick that keep your hands away from your mouth keep your hands away from your mouth and in the end, you really only are probably driving yourself crazy, and I'm not sure it really gets into the kids' heads, but, um, you know, you can hope there's a little, little shard that gets in there, and when it does, hopefully next time they think about it before they, like, table at the hot well, dog spot at Costco. Yeah, and I, that's that's it, right? Like, it's, it's essentially, what are we doing? We're trying to um, train her for the next pandemic. And, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but... There, Again, short of us putting her, wrapping her up in a bubble right now. So that's actually a really interesting point as well. I mean, something we did today where we were trying to explain this to my seven-year-old. And we've been kind of playing it light so far. We hadn't really been getting into the whole details of it. But to keep on the nerdy dad subject, I mean, we have the board game Pandemic. And he likes the board game Pandemic. So we basically had to use that board game, which is fairly realistic in how it's and how diseases happen, they appear, how they spread. 
And so we actually use that board game as a real uh, lesson on how exactly this has started, how it's spreading, how nobody really knows how it's going to spread. Nobody really knows anything, you know, where it's going to go. There's projections, all these things. But the things you can do is to keep yourself clean, be extra hygiene. And, you know, so we use the board game basically to teach that lesson. Yeah. Well, I, I, you bring up sort of the games and being nerdy. So <clears throat> for those of you who listen to this podcast who may have played World of Warcraft, there was actually a, a situation back in 2005 called the Corrupted Blood Incident. Now, what occurred in the game was that uh, there was a, a raid, a raid that released, and uh, the boss... Um, essentially uh, placed a, a DOT spell or effect, a damage over time effect on, on players. And that, uh, you know, damage over time effect was then contagious. So you could like, if you got too close to your, your, uh, you know, raid mates, whatever, you could infect them. Now at the level that you would have been able to do the raid at the damage over time, wasn't all that significant. It was m more of a problem. You needed to deal with it. Um, but think of it more of as like a, a, a timer. And this is the type of sort of mechanic that exists in a lot of games. Now there was a debuff that occurred when you beat the raid that then sort of cleansed all of the players. So players would then go back to town and, and, you know, hit the auction house or do whatever they needed to do with their loot. But the developers never took into consideration that that damage over time effect was also applied to pets. So certain characters in World of Warcraft had pets helping them out in battle. The pets got infected with corrupted blood. Now, these pets also of a high level. Again, it's more of a nuisance, but not the end of the world. But again, when they went back to town, these major cities is where all the low characters tend to hang out and low characters couldn't deal with the corrupted uh, blood uh, uh, damage over time effect. And it pretty much wiped them out. So what started to occur is that all these, you know, high level raiders come back to town and essentially eradicate all the new players. So then new players started like leaving big cities and they'd go to different places. So why is it that I bring this up? This game and this incident actually provided a model for research um, uh, based on the you know, uh, spreading of, of different epidemics. Like, how do people react? And what was interesting was that some of the things that occurred in game uh, were, one, there was sort of the sheer panic, the, what people, like what players were starting to do. But then it started to... Um, you know, almost rally some other people in game where they became healers and they became, you know, almost sort of gatekeepers to these safe zones. It was, it was just a, an interesting view on humanity in, in general. Um, I, I, I just reading up on this right now, but like, you know, the, the CDC in the United States actually, you know, contacted a, you know, Activision Blizzard and they got statistics um, and it's, it's been a, a case study because, you know, the difficulty and, you know, quite frankly, it's, it's, you know, realistically, it's always going to be difficulty. Um, you don't generally infect the population just to test things out for research. That could be a bad idea. Yeah. Right. So this is probably one of the closest ways we could get outside of, you know, sort of machine learning and, and AI that we have access to now. But I just, again, nerdy dad cast. 
I thought, uh, you know, this was an opportunity to talk about World of Warcraft, which I did once play. In fact, in 05, I would have been playing. I was a, a RuneScape guy myself, I think. I played that for too long, and I never really got into World of Warcraft because I did that for right around the same time and uh, invested enough. And then I was, I think I got married or something about that time too, which uh, then suddenly changed the world. But uh, yeah, to keep on the nerdy and games and pandemic subject, I mean, we also, I mentioned Pandemic earlier, the board game, but there's also Season Pandemic, the Pandemic Legacy games, which you go in and you you play up to 24 games because you play for one month of the year and the story progresses. And it's kind of like a role-playing game based into a board game. And you have new boxes you can unpack and new things that come out over time and you play and you hope that you save the world, basically. So now, I mean, we went through the first season of this and it was fantastic. We loved it and we played it with some neighbors and then when the second season came out, we did the same thing. And it's like, you know, ongoing story where you take your characters in the board game through the next thing. And again, track and try to beat the pandemic and try to see what happens to the world. And I mean, for those of you out there that haven't played it, um, it's really it's really awesome. It's really excellent. The story is great. And I would not spoil any of it. But to say that, you know, season three is they've been hinting at it and hinting at it because it's supposed to come out sometime soon. And it's sort of the the continuation of the trilogy, the end of the trilogy, they're saying. So, I mean, we've been waiting for this. But, you know, I'm not sure, A, how much you're going to want to release a pandemic game in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, our, some of our friends pointed out that the first season was was put out in the middle of the swine flu. So maybe this does not, uh, does not hold that back. But we're sort of, you know, we're waiting to see what that happens and see it's sort of the bigger effects of this all at large. I mean... Locally, we have things like the Terminal City Tabletop Convention just got canceled, and a lot of these big things are getting canceled. I mean, you mentioned the the sports seasons earlier. All of these things are getting canceled. So, I mean, to see what the actual effect and what's going to happen. And, again, you know, also you mentioned how, you know, sort of the lower people. For us, I think in reality, that's, you know, we have a big homeless population in Vancouver. We have a, Almost every major city has a big homeless population these days. What happens when those people start this spreads to those people. And I mean, can we get the medical help to them? And is, it could get really, really ugly. So, I mean, it's a, it's, it's kind of something that, yeah, it's, we have to watch. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it goes to, to that point where uh, it's, it's about sort of each one of us sort of doing our part. Like I, I, we talked about this at sort of the top of the episode where some people don't quite understand, like it's, why is this a big deal? The symptoms are mild. It's like a flu. Uh, in fact, there are leaders of certain countries who seem to be downplaying the severity of the issue because you can like shoot it with guns or something like that. <laughs> the thing though, is that it's the, those that are most at risk of those severe symptoms. It's someone who might be immunocompromised or, or dealing with some other issue that, that puts them at risk. And, you know, while our medical system can help them, if the system itself is overloaded, that's when things become problematic. So what can we do? I mean, washing our hands, which really we should be doing regardless. And I, I, you know, we were talking before we hit record how I walked um, into to town to the Starbucks and walk back. I try to do a walk every day and that distance is about an hour round trip, which is why I, I sort of use it as my, my uh, marker. 
but when I get there, I, I get, I go in, I'll grab a coffee. Sometimes I might sit down and, um, you know, get on the computer. Well, what do I do when I get there? I wash my hands. I can't tell you that I've ever done that before. Um, I wouldn't say I'm an unclean person. Like, what do I do? I leave my house. I walk, I go to Starbucks, but you know, I'm just doing that additional step, which I probably should have been doing already. I'm, you know, grabbing door handles and what have you, uh, get home. I wash my hands again, again, not something I would have probably done. Um, and before any time I have something to eat, I'm washing my hands, even if you're here at home, it's just, you know, it's good hygiene, something I should have been doing. Um, it's something I'm trying to let baby force know. Now the washing your hands part isn't like just putting them under water and like, you know, a couple seconds, you're supposed to wash them for 20 seconds. And for those of you who might need some help, I strongly encourage you to go to washyourlyrics.com, enter in a song title and whoever sings it, and it will create a poster that you can post at your sink that shows you the steps to wash your hands, like what you should do, and the lyrics to whatever song that will last the 20 seconds that you need, which I think is ingenious. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, you can get so many good songs. I don't know the themes, though. I can't think of any pandemic songs off the top of my head. I was thinking like Zombie by the Cranberries might work. You know, sing Zombie <laughs> while you're doing it or yeah. something. Zombies, yeah, zombies. exactly. But I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, both of us also have had um, adventures to Costco in the last couple mm. days. So, uh, so yeah, I think your experience was quite the opposite of my experience. Yeah. So I went to the, uh, the local Costco uh, in the evening. So it was around dinner time. And it was eerily quiet, like the parking lot, lots of spaces. Um, there was carts to be had. Uh, there was no lineup, just got to walk in. There was absolutely no toilet paper. Uh, there were, I don't recall seeing any like uh, uh, disinfecting wipes. So like, you know, the, the alcohol wipes and, and what have you. Uh, not that we were looking, they could have had it. But what I found interesting, lots of soap. If I needed, you know, bar soap, uh, liquid soap, dish soap, no problem. Lots of soap. But toilet paper and its magical properties, none to be had, which, again, I, I don't get it. Like, I, part of me wonders, was someone going to Costco one day or one of these big box stores and with good reason buying, like, a bunch of, you know, things of, of toilet paper? Like, maybe they, they're restocking, like, an office or they run a business where they need to, you know, go through a lot of toilet paper. And someone else saw this, oh, my God, I got to get the toilet paper. That, that person's going to take it all. And then another person sees. And now it, it just, like, I don't want to disparage people who are doing this because I do get that there's there's anxiety and panic that's driving some of these these purchases. But it's this lemming effect. I kind of wonder if now more and more people are buying toilet paper in, in bulk because they think if they don't do it today, however long from now when they run out, they won't have it. And they'll have this tough decision as to what to do, which you have an answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, and not even get into the Costco story yet, but uh, I'll tell you, last year I bought a bidet. And, you know, it was it was a grief purchase, I'll tell you. I, I was going through some grief and I thought, you know, I need a bidet. I think I got hit with a Facebook ad or something. I don't know why, but I did. And it was like 99 bucks and, you know, Hello Tushy, I think. I mean, we're not, we have no sponsorships yet, but hey, Hello Tushy, if you want to sponsor us, we're, we're there for you. But I mean, I got this thing and I installed it myself. And, you know, I'm not the most handy guy in the world, but I drilled a hole through the cupboard and got the water supplies connected. And since then, you know, our use of toilet paper has gone down a huge amount because, you know, there's nothing more. I mean, the Europeans really have that one right where 
mm-hmm. shoot some water there and you don't need the toilet paper so badly. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, if you're going to Costco and if you're buying hundreds of rolls of toilet paper, I might suggest you go a different direction. I think they probably deliver fairly quickly. It might even be a cost benefit to grab a bidet. Totally. I mean, like I say, I think I got the advanced one that has both cold and hot water and the dial where you can switch them back and forth. And I mean, I'm talking telling you too much about my bathroom at this point, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's great. And so, so yeah, I highly recommend that. Now on the Costco thing, I mean, I went this morning and my wife sent me out and we figured, you know, Thursday morning, not a big deal. I should have known when I walked up and saw there were no carts available that I was like, oh, no, this is not a good idea. And then I saw actually that prototypical couple come out who actually had each of them had the whole big thing of Costco toilet paper in each of their hands. And then one of paper towel on top of that. And then on top of that, they had all the Kleenex. So they were actually carrying out six big things just in their arms. That was all they bought. So I should have known at that point not to go in. But I did, and I went in, and um, yeah, it was insane. Insane is the only way to really talk about it, because I mean, normally a Thursday morning, it's not that busy there. You can get around, but this day was like the days before Christmas, where you have lineups going to the very back of the store, and I can't believe how many people were talking about toilet paper and talking about this, and you know, there was people that had. 15 or 20 bottles of Mr. Clean disinfectant in their carts. And I mean, it's just, it's, I like it, like you, I understand there is a certain paranoia, but at the same time, it's a little bit uh, overblown and overbearing. And I mean, what are you really preparing for there? I'm not quite sure. Well, I wish I had the answer. Like I, you know, I, I, I can't say I witnessed anything like that, but I'll, again, I, the time of day I went, I actually think there is some, uh, correlation is that people are racing in the morning to go and grab everything they think they need because they they're, they fear it may run out. And it, truly it might run out. There might be a toilet paper shortage with the way people seem to be buying it up right now. But the afternoon sort of evening when I went by then it's that has now mad dash is gone. Um, and I will point out that in my few trips out and about over the past few days, I'm seeing fewer people outside, which goes to the social distancing that I think, you know, people are, are taking heed. They're, they're trying to reduce the opportunity for, for transmission through that. Now, some of that might be because they're like, Oh my God, I'm going to stay inside of my house where I am safe. Or it could be people making the conscious decision. Like I'm going to reduce the number of times I go out to help keep myself and my family safe. Yeah. And that's fair. And I mean, it it also sort of fires back. I mean, we're seeing a lot of like various places, schools are being canceled. I mean, I have friends, some friends in, uh, in Georgia in the U S who now Mm -hmm. their kids are, are out of school until at least the end of the month. And that's sort of been there. Now I found it really interesting today because the the Canadian or the provincial health officer made an announcement today that we are not shutting down our schools here. And basically what she ended up saying was that, um, just let me find it one second here. I've, they've heard from many event organizers and they're talking about the schools and they say that they're not shutting down the schools because schools is like, schools are a great place. You can go to, you can stay safe in school and you can learn about social distancing in school. So that was her, her quoted. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing there a little bit. I don't have the quote right in front of me, but that was what she said. And I'm just thinking in this case, you know, that's not what you want to say. You don't want to say our kids can go to school so they can learn about social distancing. You want to be a little more, you know, have something a little more stronger to say than that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting situation and watching it as it evolves. 
Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I, I won't claim to know the best route. I mean, it's something I'll need to obviously revisit if daycare were to, to shut down. But the the thing about schools, though, I think at least in BC is I believe spring break starts this weekend. Um, and that'll go for, I think, two weeks. So the the two, few days prior to probably not too significant. It's beyond that. And like to your point, there are schools now that are shutting down well into April. Yeah. Um, Ontario has had its spring break and they've just extended it, I believe, another two weeks. And there there is an impact there where, you know, for for many people, they're reliant on schools to almost be the pseudo childcare service for the hours that they need to work. So I, I do appreciate there is there's a lot of pressures um, for those who suddenly need to make alternative arrangements. You may not be able to. It's just it's a tough situation. It is absolutely to look at it, and we're seeing that in various places where daycares are being shut down and schools are being shut down. So it's a it's only a matter of time. You can see what happens here, and I mean, yeah, it's a good point on the spring break starting up soon. Question is, will people be going back after that spring break? Who knows, really? Yeah, and you know, and. The other thing about spring break happening soon is so many people would have probably had vacation plans, trips lined up, things of that sort, and none of that's probably happening. Like, I I mean, if you wanted to go to Disneyland, Disneyland is closed. Uh, You want to go to Universal Studios? Closed. You want to leave the country when you come back? Got to self-isolate for two weeks. Like, there's there's so much at play, so it's just going to be a, a... yeah, we've already, we've already canceled we've already canceled travel plans here, and I mean we also have major travel plans in the summer that we'll have to see. Hopefully, I mean you know best case scenario, hopefully things come under control and hopefully everything happens. But it's interesting, like how long forward you have to look and how long forward right now should you plan to not make plans? Yeah, so true. Well, why don't we take a short break uh, and then uh, get ourselves even more nerdy than we were before sounds good i was actually thinking earlier sort of in getting nerdy what could we talk about I mean, we always talk about something different and uh i thought i'd do sort of a potpourri approach uh first and foremost uh as far as gaming is concerned i can't believe i'm going to say this but i've actually been enjoying the free update to call of duty modern warfare they've released a battle royale mode called uh warzone i'm not a first person shooter kind of especially in a game like call of duty it's far too frenetic for me the kids they they teach me who's boss real quick but i just for some reason i've been enjoying it um i you know played a couple rounds with my brother really enjoyed that and i think maybe that has more to do with it. it's more the social part but that's sort of what i've been up to um Outside of my usual Overwatch days, I haven't played far too much Overwatch. I'm still playing Star Wars Jedi, Last Jedi, Fallen Order, whatever it is. Yeah, you haven't beat it yet. I haven't beat it yet. I'm getting closer. Uh, I haven't had all of the time to play. I mean, we play a lot of board games in our house as well, mm-hmm. so that can cut into video game time. Um, also, you I mean we're we're kind of Iditarod geeks here as well. So the Iditarod just started up. So I actually, I've had a game sitting on my computer for quite a while called Dog Sled Saga. That I, that's my actual new one. Like a sim? It's it's a sim, yeah. And you start as, you know, you get your dog sleds. And it's got, you know, it's a pretty much, it's a little over 8-bit graphics, really. And you go and you start racing in dog sled races. And you build up your supplies. And you keep getting better and better. And so I got this on Kickstarter, I think, like, three or four years ago and finally actually sat down and started playing it when my wife was watching the Iditarod. 
Is it so? Is it like the Iditarod version of Oregon Trail? Um, so far, I haven't seen any dysentery. I, I'm okay, not I'm entirely sure. certain that it doesn't happen. Did, did an eagle come and steal grandma or something? There's a really fast dog slitter that comes by and throws things at you. Like he, oh, so mean. Yeah, it's like the whole, you know, blowing snow at you because he's going by so fast. So, so far, I've cursed that guy a couple times because he's come by really quickly. I haven't got far far enough to actually challenge him yet, so we'll see. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's a certain. It's got sim. It's got certain sim things to it. I mean, your dogs get angry. Your dogs get mad. Your dogs get tired. You have to really control your dogs. And uh, you know, I've done dog sledding in real life. It's not exactly the same, but it's a pretty good. If, if I'm going to do it for my couch while my wife is watching the Iditarod, it's kind of a good way to do it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you know my. We've talked about this before. My my wife's idea of gaming and my idea of gaming are completely different. Um, uh, there is no sort of unifying factor with board games, which uh, for those of you who don't know, if you happen to follow John's uh, Kickstarter account, you get notifications of every board game purchase. <laughs> it's funny. I see him, it shows up in my inbox, and I probably know more about board games because of those uh, Kickstarter um, pledges than, than anything else. Now, I will say we're much more picky now than we used to be. We got a... Like back in the early days, and I gotta say, you know, we're kind of crazy. We're like, we're what they call super backers. And at last count, I had like 250 projects that had been backed. And so at one point, we sort of looked at that and we were like, well, how much money is that? And we counted out the money. We're like, oh, wow. And then a lot of things we realized, like with first generation tech things, you really shouldn't back them on Kickstarter because you back the first generation if you get it. And I mean, for the most part, if you get it, there's only been like maybe three or four that I haven't gotten at all. Um, The rest of them I have gotten. But the thing is, then they release a second generation the next year and a third generation. And suddenly the one you have is just kind of garbage and overpriced. So that's been a big deal. Uh, with board games, though, I mean, it's hard to... You look at it and you're like, wow, that's that looks cool. That looks cool. But you can't actually tell until you're playing the game. And so we've had a couple that have shown up and just not been the greatest games. And we ended up having to sell them to some other poor... Some poor sap, poor fool. But uh, yeah, so now we really have to know what we're buying. I mean, my wife, my wife sort of got into this and got into it really hard. And so she... Ended up befriending our, befriending our local game store operators, and basically bought their entire store, all the all the supplies in it, all the games in it. We have something like over two hundred and something on our shelves now. Our our living room is seriously shelves of board games in every direction. I had to put another shelf under my TV, so my TV got uh, got knocked up about four more feet in the air just because we need more space for the board games. But now we're a lot more picky about it. So it, the Kickstarters, hopefully, the Kickstarter notifications are are less than they used to be. But uh, well, they are. I, recently, it's I, been up a little bit. Yeah, I have I have noticed there there are fewer. It's not that I don't I don't appreciate them. I just I, I find it funny because it's like I, I look at every single one, and now it's going to the point like I'm more shocked if it isn't a board game that you're mm, it's true, supporting, yeah. right? Um. The other uh, thing on a nerdy side, and I don't know if maybe you've seen it or, or caught one of it. There's the show called Avenue Five that's been on HBO. It's a sort of a sci-fi show. It's lighthearted. Uh, the best way I could describe it, it's kind of like um, Community slash Silicon Valley in space. Um, but uh, I've really actually been enjoying it. The The season finale is actually this weekend. Uh, but the the concept is pretty simple. You know, it's luxury passenger spaceship 
guys in space, something goes wrong. And now they're stuck in space for years unless they figure out how to get home. And uh, it then comes to light that the crew, the quote unquote crew are not actually the crew. They're, they're actors that are there to be the eye candy to the actual crew who are an eye candy who are, are down below. So that's, there's hijinks galore. Nice. I'm actually enjoying that. It's, it's sort of what gets me by to the next episode of Picard. <laughs> Fair enough. I haven't seen today's episode yet, so I can't. Uh, I, I can't comment on I that. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I'm. I am. In, I am. I don't know. Like every episode, I find is sort of leading into the next one really well. It. it what I'm kind of worried about is that this season of Picard is almost like the pilot season, because it seems to be you know like without spoiling anything, it's it's introducing all of the different themes that you sort of hoped to see from the TNG world at the same time, introducing enough story to get you sort of beyond that. I find it really interesting in the things that people get upset about. And that's sort of, that's what I'm really, I mean, I'm like we said before in the past, on past episodes, I'm thankful it exists and, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to complain about it. I've enjoyed it thoroughly so far, but it's the people that are like, you know, there's certainly swearing now in it. And the people are like, you can't swear in Star Trek and these kind of things. I mean, it's really interesting to me that all the various complaints about it where it just doesn't, it's not allowed to evolve. It's got to be your Papa's Star Trek or, you know, your own Star Trek, certainly our Star Trek when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I mean, we talked about this in the previous episodes, like the original series was avant-garde. Like it was so out there based on what was sort of permissible for television in its era. So that's where I sort of look at some of the things that people are getting upset now. Like, really? You think the original series was like this Puritan experience? Like, no, man. Like, the fact that it was on TV for as long as it happened to be, which really wasn't all that long, was still shocking because, like, I can't believe they do that. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe they do that. Like, oh, I can't believe that. They're allowing that person to wear those clothes. What? Captain Kirk is sleeping with an alien what the hell like you know these are things that were just so crazy and then now we're upset that you know someone's you know dropping some bad language like that's actually in this era that's like you know 6 p.m news type it's stuff pretty damn you think yeah uh, my other other nerdy thing of the weekend was uh we started up a new role-playing game oh it's called blades in the dark so, like, is this like a like a and D style? It's sort of a D and D style thing. Where the cool thing about this is you can sort of rewind. You're basically you're a crew. You're trying to do whatever jobs you have to do: rob people, assassinate people, whatever, whatever you're going to do. Outstanding work. Outstanding yeah. work. Exactly. In sort of this uh, cyber steampunk kind of world, but um, if you get to a point that you haven't quite expected then you can rewind the story and say, oh, well, you know, you come up to a window, you want to rob this place, and unfortunately the window's locked. And you can say, oh, no, well, I came by here yesterday, and I hacked through the bars, and so it should already be ready. And fair enough, you fast forward back to the where you are, and that happens. So it's got this interesting mechanic. <laughs> now, we spent the entire evening just making our characters, which uh, so that I haven't actually played much of it, but we spent about five hours making six characters, and that was our nerdy time for the weekend. So just another. Well, 
character creation is important. Absolutely. Right? It's it's one of the reasons why, you know, all the best games have some of the most robust character creation, uh, you know, s- systems. I mean, I say screens, but really in some cases it's systems. You have to actually play the tutorial and create your character at this point. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And I don't know about the rewind part. Like, No, it, sh- it should be interesting. I also signed... I also signed my son up for a D&D adventure. So he's going to play his first D&D. So I, I happened to, my wife got me the 5E player's guide for Christmas one year or something. And I haven't actually played 5E. So it just sat on the on the counter on one of our shelves. It sandwiched in between like 200 board games. I think I've talked about that. But um, yeah, my I've signed my son up because one of his little buddies from uh, from homeschool school was going to it. And so he's just psyched. And so he started reading the player's guide. So I have my seven-year-old sort of memorizing the player's guide as we go. And I've probably unleashed something that I'm not really sure. Yeah. So he's going to be the, you know, the, you know, very particular uh, DM when he grows up. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's good, right? Because there's some storytelling components, the ability to think on your feet. Absolutely. And being creative. At the same time, being impartial and fair in this approach. (laughs) And being godly and just being able to do whatever the heck you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a minor thing. So as we look to wrap this episode up, it's good to uh, get back in the saddle again. You know, as we let off, sorry that it took us so long to, to, Get another episode to my fault. Like, yeah, I doubly apologize on behalf of Chris because it really was his fault. Yeah, it's it's life. You know, sometimes throws you the odd speed bump or two, and then next thing you know, a month has gone by, and you're like, "What?" As you come out of that daze. But we have been talking about ways to mitigate such breaks in the future, so you should not uh, come to expect it m- to happen. And short of you know, like the world suddenly loses power and we go back into like the 1800s. Even then we'll still have a podcast. It's just, it's going to be like etched on like stone. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've already talked about the nerdy granddad cast and I mean, if it goes in a different direction, we might have the nerdy zombie dad cast. And I mean, we'll just sit here and go brains, parenting and, and that sort of thing. And I mean, Hey, hopefully it doesn't cause I know, I don't know it's going to be entertaining, but uh, we'll, we'll see. But if you happen to be looking for us online, it's nerdydadcast.com. It's our website. You can track down how to reach us there. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook. It's Nerdy Dadcast. We're pretty easy to find. Uh, and if you happen to want to drop us an email, maybe you want to reach out and ask us questions, give us show ideas, uh, tell us uh, where to find toilet paper. Tell us how we're wrong. Price. And yeah, tell us we're wrong because I pretty much am 95% of the time. And that's okay. Uh, it is feedback. At, uh, feedback at nerdydadcast.com. So any final words of wisdom you want to share with all the, uh, the parents out there, John? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. And then one more time, wash your hands. And like Chris said, you can go to that website and put your own tunes in or just sing happy birthday and wash your hands. Because, you know, happy birthday makes everybody smile, right? I don't, I don't know. It does, although I think you have to sing it twice, don't you? Yeah. It has to be sung twice, and that seems kind of repetitive. That's why you take, you know, like, you know, if I had a million dollars by the Bare Naked Ladies. Felice Navidad, just, uh, you know, throw things out there. Yeah, sure, Felice Navidad. I don't know who actually sing, sang that song first. I mean, I guess there's a number of different iterations, so you just to put the... Really put your own personal touch on it. It's, it's all good. Yeah, the uh, you could. Uh, it's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Yeah, that's what went through my head constantly this last week. I, I don't know why. 
Yeah, it starts with an earthquake. Mm. Haven't happened yet, but if we do, I'm going to be running out buying TP like you wouldn't know it. But uh, on behalf of John, myself, Chris, we're going to sign off this episode by asking you to do one very simple thing. Stay nerdy, my friends. Mm-hmm.